Hello, beloveds, and welcome to Christian Emotional Recovery, a podcast for those who are survivors of childhood trauma, emotional neglect, and narcissistic abuse. This podcast is hosted by Rachel Leroy, a college professor and trauma survivor. Many of us spend years trying to heal and don't get anywhere. We don't always target the trauma itself, which is so often what keeps us stuck. This podcast is where faith meets science. Rachel is an emotional healing expert with 20 years of experience applying healing modalities that helped her start making progress after nothing else worked. She'll show you how to do the same. Each week, we'll cover a topic that will show you how to heal trauma for good. Please check out our website and show notes at christianemotionalrecovery.com and join the Facebook community, Trauma Survivors Unite, Christian Emotional Recovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast 3 of Christian Emotional Recovery. And I want this channel to be a an educational and empowering channel that can help you find specific strategies to heal in ways that maybe you haven't before, and maybe so you can learn things that you haven't learned before as well, from someone who happens to be a Christian. And while every single thing in the blog won't be based on scripture specifically, I believe that there is a need to educate people in this area of abuse, trauma, depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress syndrome, and other conditions that impact people, particularly from childhood and earlier events in their lives, where Maybe you don't see a connection between them or you know there's a connection in some way, but you've never been able to have those neurons connect where you can see that connection between things that happened in your past and between things that you're struggling with now. And you may ask yourself constantly, what is wrong with me? Why do I continue to struggle? I've done all this work on myself. I've been diligent. I've been open. I've been willing. And I just can't seem to heal. I continue to have depression and anxiety. And I feel all of this anger. And I feel all of this sadness and this guilt and this shame and this fear and this panic. And uh, I'm not promising that this blog will be a cure-all, but I believe it will help you to understand, examine, and find specific strategies you can put into practice and get to the roots of, of a lot of these problems and actually find some concrete relief. And one thing that I've said before, and I'll say it again, is that if you want to heal, if you want to find relief, while there's no guarantee that you'll be cured completely, you will find great relief if you diligently, consistently, and tenaciously work on healing yourself, learning, studying, not just the symptoms, but getting to the root of where a lot of this stuff comes from. Some of it is experience. Some of it is genetic. Some of it is spiritual warfare. Some of it is chemical. And there's not one easy, one-size-fits-all solution. And that's why this blog will address all those different facets of emotional healing. And emotional healing is a very broad and vague term. 
And for the sake of this blog, it will especially focus on earlier experiences, childhood experiences in particular, and traumas, and how those contribute to conditions such as bipolar disorder, OCD, anxiety disorder, depression, and similar conditions such as the effects of trauma and PTSD. And so today's theme, I wanted to focus on what is trauma and what is the difference between trauma and PTSD. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of people don't even understand what they are. A lot of people think PTSD is something that only veterans survive from, or maybe somebody from like Rwanda or somewhere that was torn apart by war and genocide and Holocaust and things like that. And those are the most unimaginable experiences that people experience when it comes to trauma. But just because you're not from a war-torn country does not mean you don't have impacts of trauma and or PTSD. And so I wanted to educate people about the psychological, symptomatic, and social symptoms of this condition, of these two conditions, and what is the difference. And so I want to use a couple of sources here. I'm using the Hope and Healing Center and Institute, which is the HACI, and I'm also using the website of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. I believe they're also called NAMI or NAMI. Um, forgive me if I mispronounce that. N-A-M-I, National Alliance on Mental Illness. And there's a lot of great resources out there. And I encourage you to read articles, take classes, talk to other people, get help, learn about things, and start to understand how these things connect to your own experience so that you can get the help that you need and customize it to your particular experience. So let's go ahead and jump straight into what the difference between PTSD and trauma is. And then we're going to focus a little bit more on PTSD because I feel like there are more people who experience the symptoms of PTSD than maybe they realize. And from personal experience, I had the experience of having my, um, shall we say, traumas, I don't know what the word is, but a lot of abuse and stuff invalidated. And so I spent a long time, a long time, even in my adult life, not believing that I had the symptoms of PTSD. And not everybody does. The word trauma and the phrase PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, get thrown around a lot and are used casually these days. Somebody will say, well, that statement offended me and I think I have caused trauma for me. And that's not to invalidate that things can't be said that can actually cause that kind of reaction. But I think sometimes these words, the power of them and the impact of them can lose their meaning and people will use them inaccurately for example, mixing up the term PTSD with trauma, and they're not the same thing. So let's talk about what the differences are between the two. So PTSD, according to hopeandhealingcenter.org, which is HHCI, the Hope and Healing Center Institute, it says post-traumatic stress disorder and trauma are often used interchangeably in society. Even though these two issues are related, they are different. According to the American Psychological Association, which is the organization for psychologists in the United States, the APA, Trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event. Trauma can occur once or on multiple occasions. And I would add my own little piece here that the trauma that happens once 
compared to the trauma that happens multiple times. The multiple times can be related to the same event, the larger event, or it can be a chain of multiple occasions that are related or even a chain of multiple occasions that are not directly related. So I believe there can be different combinations of traumatic events. And an individual can experience more than one type of trauma. Now, according to Hope and Healing Center Institute, here are some of the types of trauma. These are not PTSD. These are types of events that cause trauma. Physical or life-threatening event, psychological trauma, neglect, sexual abuse or assault, historical trauma, for example, racial and ethnic population groups in the United States who have suffered major intergenerational losses, um, you know, for example, racism, hate crimes, and things like that. Um, I would argue that um, survivors of the Holocaust and probably even their descendants who were never there suffer in some cases from traumas that were caused by those experiences because there's a lot of evidence coming out now that trauma can actually be passed down through DNA and can actually make the descendants of people who experienced extreme traumas, especially multi-generational, it can be passed down into DNA and increase the chances that somebody can actually experience stresses that they may not understand where they come from. This isn't about past life or anything like that, but it's about DNA actually passing certain genetic memory down into the bloodline from your mother or your grandmother or your grandfather or your father that actually increases your chances of being prone to certain things like depression and anxiety. That's not to say you're going to get them directly, but there's just more of a tendency possibly being passed down there if there was a lot of trauma, particularly generational trauma, being passed down between, between father and son, father and daughter, and so on. Mother and son, mother and daughter. Other types of trauma, medical trauma, for example, if you have a major surgery, or even if you like bleed out or something major happens that's, you, you have a bad illness. Community violence, for example, gangs, interracial violence, police and citizen altercations. I would say that that overlaps a little bit with historical trauma, in my opinion. School violence and bullying, military trauma, that's one of the more obvious ones, but one of the ones that is, a, there's a lot of people suffering silently. Traumatic grief and separation, for example, a product of divorce or breakup or di anything like that. System-induced trauma or re-traumatization, for example, um, removal from an individual in the welfare system. For example, if a child is taking out, taken out of their parents' home for abuse or neglect, and they're put in a foster home, and then they're taken out of that foster home and put in another one or put back into their parents' home, that can re-traumatize them in some cases. It can actually make the situation worse sometimes. Natural disasters, like the hurricanes, God bless the people in Alabama that killed 23 people, and the people that are left to pick up the pieces, quite literally, and their loved ones are just gone. There's just, that's a serious kind of trauma, or a tsunami, or an earthquake, or whatever. Forced displacement, for example, refugees, like the people coming up from um, Honduras, and coming in from Syria. War, terrorism, and political violence, once again, Syria, Yemen, uh, countries like that, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and or being a witness to any of the above traumatic events. So, 
I would also argue that abuse of any kind can cause, can be traumatic. Um, so if you watched your father do something inappropriate to your older sister, then that could cause trauma on you because you're watching something that you can't compute because you're young and you know it's wrong, but it's just, it affects you even though it may have happened to somebody else. Or if you are walking down the street and you see a gunfight and somebody shoots and kills somebody else, that can leave a mark on your psyche. So basically it says that individuals who have experienced one or more traumatic events might experience different types of social, emotional, behavioral issues. Um, You might have something like Uh, anxiety, depression, or yes, PTSD. But note that PTSD is a result of trauma. PTSD is not trauma itself. So trauma is the cause and PTSD is one potential effect. Now you can have trauma and not have PTSD. But you can also have trauma and not have PTSD. And that might be where you have anxiety, depression, um, OCD or something like that. For example, I would argue that somebody who maybe lived in a home where your parents hoarded people or animals or things in an excessive way, and that caused a lot of chaos and clutter in your mind, I would argue that that can actually be a form of trauma as well if it's really extreme. If maybe you grew up in a very unsanitary environment and you were embarrassed to have people over. And it was really, really bad. Like, not just the house was messy, but, you know, it was just like, just like something out of the TV show Hoarders or something. Um, But I think there are a lot of things that are not on here that could be considered trauma as well. Um, Having somebody call you a name at school and it hurts your feelings. I don't know if that's trauma. I think it depends on the situation. Um, Like I said, I believe there's a difference between stress and trauma. For example, to me, Um, having deadlines at work is not trauma, even though trauma can impact the things that could cause you how to react, how you react to those stressors at work. That's stress. Day-to-day experiences that cause stresses are not trauma. They are stresses. And sometimes there can be a fine line, but I think it's important to show the difference between trauma and PTSD. Trauma is a cause. PTSD is one of the effects of trauma. And stress are are day-to-day experiences that might cause us some strain, but they don't necessarily leave an impact on our mind that causes an ongoing pattern that will continue unless we root out the source of it. You see the difference? So you get that work done with the deadline. You might have anxiety brought on by trauma from the past, but once you get that deadline done, that's done. It's not going to leave an impact on you. So in that way, it's just stress. So you see the difference? So PTSD is a mental disorder mental health disorder, and nobody's born with it, in my opinion. And like I said, some of this is just my opinion, but I don't believe most people are born with PTSD, unless maybe something happened in the womb with the mother when she was pregnant. It's possible. Like I said, I don't want to go into all that. I'm not an expert. This is just my opinion. Please defer my opinion to experts and learn about this stuff by people who are experts in the field. But if I can help you, if I can educate you, and I can disseminate this information in a way that's digestible, I will definitely do it. 
Um, but PTSD is a mental health disorder that can in develop in some individuals who experience trauma. So there could be people who experience trauma that do not have PTSD, but it will manifest in some other way. So even if you don't qualify for the definition of PTSD or you don't believe you have it, that doesn't mean that this channel can't help you, and that doesn't mean that you don't have trapped emotions in your body that you don't need to release. So think about doing research and working through a lot of this and seeing where you're at and then seeing where you need to go based on where you're at. But I would encourage you to go see a mental health practitioner or a trained practitioner of some other kind and getting help to find out whether or not you might have PTSD if you're not sure. Okay, so a person suffering from PTSD can re-experience the traumatic event through flashbacks, dreams, and thoughts. So that doesn't mean you necessarily have a waking dream, but you might have an emotional reaction. You might get triggered by something. I know we've all heard those silly jokes about special snowflakes and getting triggered, but there really is something real to that. And I'm not talking about just being offended by a politically incorrect statement, even though politically incorrect statements that are especially insensitive could trigger somebody. But the whole thing about flashbacks is that, for example, God forbid, if you watched your cousin, four-year-old cousin drown and he died, and then anytime you see a small child jump into water, you just suddenly get sick to your stomach and, and you get start um, getting flushed and you can't breathe, that could be PTSD, for example. It could be a flashback, even if you're not visualizing it in your head in a picture form. It could be an emotion. It could be a panic. It could be like a, you could also have dreams and thoughts and flashbacks in different combinations. But the individual will actively avoid places, peoples, and thoughts that are reminders of the event. For example, your aunt might invite you to a pool party with her, she and her kids and their friends. And you might avoid it because of what happened to your cousin on the other side of the family. That might be an example that's, you know... Just one particular kind of situation. Another one might be if someone was in the military and they were in combat, they might um, withdraw from society because they're scared that they're going to hear a loud noise or something that's going to make them panic and relive that event and have a flashback. But individuals can often be easily startled. So you may have overwrought adrenals. You may be adrenally fatigued or stressed. Um, you may have anxiety or panic attacks or both. You may have difficulty sleeping, insomnia, and out outbursts of anger. And I believe outbursts of anger don't just impact people who were in the military or people who have seen horrible violence. I believe that that can also happen to people who were witnessed abuse, mental or physical, continuously, or even one extremely traumatic situation of abuse, or if they were neglected long-term and it became a pattern. And that I believe those individuals can suffer from PTSD because I've seen so many people and talked to so many people in support groups who were in that situation. Their parents didn't knock them across the room. Their parents didn't say, I hate you, I wish you would die, or anything that like that. All they had to do was ignore them, invalidate them, and not love them, and do it over a long-term period of time during their formative years. And especially a sensitive child will see the impacts of PTSD in the trauma that that caused. So don't believe it's not possible. It is. However, the same situation for a sibling may not cause PTSD. And that does not make the sibling who has it any 
less valid than the one who doesn't because everybody's different. And some children are born sensitive. I believe that. And we'll talk about that in a future blog about highly sensitive people. Is it good or bad to be highly sensitive? I believe that it's neutral and it's just another characteristic that some people are born with and we all have our strengths and weaknesses based on those characteristics. None is better or worse than another. For example, I was born highly sensitive and a lot of things that might not have impacted another child impacted me deeply. So don't Feel bad. Don't think you're weak. Don't think there's something wrong with you. And don't feel like your experience is invalid. Just because if you know somebody who experienced something similar to you, or if your cousin or your sibling was treated similarly to you in the same environment, they came out differently. Maybe they didn't even get impacted as much. Another possibility is that they're suppressing that. And you may see it come out in other ways that are constructive or destructive. So keep that in mind as well. Okay? Once again, as a good English teacher, I want to credit my source and the source that talked about the differences between PTSD and trauma was the HHCI, the Hope and Healing Center and Institute. So let's go ahead and look at um, post-traumatic stress disorder in a little more detail. This might be, help you to figure out, do I have PTSD or do I just have symptoms of trauma? That's not to invalidate or minimize the symptoms of trauma because both are serious and both will impact your life and both are the results of serious events. Okay, so this source is NAMI, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, but it's the, sorry, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And post-traumatic stress disorder affects about, it says 3.5% of the U.S. population, about 8 million Americans. And about 37% of those diagnosed with PTSD are classified as having severe symptoms. And women have higher rates than men. And I believe personally, and like I said, I'm not an expert, but I believe that but since a majority of people with trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder don't understand what it is, and I believe a large portion of those people go undiagnosed, in my opinion, and I'm not an expert, but looking at the people that I know and looking at a general segment of the population, I believe the numbers of people who suffer from trauma are much higher than that. And I still believe that even though PTSD is a lower percent of the population, I believe that a larger percent than 3.5 are impacted by post-traumatic stress disorder. So let's talk about the symptoms of PTSD. And, you know, don't try to diagnose yourself. Like I said, you can look at it and figure out, you know, whether you think you have it or not. But I encourage you to go see a professional, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a licensed therapist, and get the help you need and talk to somebody who specifically works with trauma and PTSD. And if you suffer from a specific kind of abuse result, for example, neglect or narcissistic abuse, please talk to somebody and do your research and ask them questions. And don't be afraid to say, thank you so much, but I don't believe that we're a good match. Find somebody who will advocate for you. Find somebody who understands this stuff and understands the validity of these conditions. If somebody doesn't validate your experience, 
in terms of the impact that some of this had, then you need to find another therapist. Like I said, I'm not saying somebody who will agree with everything you say or somebody that won't question your self-diagnosis. I'm saying when you know you've experienced trauma, you know, and they invalidate that experience and they just want to treat symptoms, you need to find somebody else because finding a bad therapist can actually be more damaging than... Um, not going to a therapist. So please shop around. And if somebody's not a good match, find somebody else. If somebody's not a good match, find somebody else. So a diagnosis of PTSD requires a discussion with a trained professional. And like I said, I am not a licensed psychologist. I'm just a girl with a microphone who's experienced some trauma herself. And I want to pass on what I know so I can help Christians and I can help anybody who wants to learn about what might be going on in your own head and in your own heart. Okay? So symptoms of PTSD generally fall into these categories. Like I said, this is from the National Institute of Mental Illness. Re-experiencing type symptoms such as recurring, involuntary, or intrusive distressing memories. That is a symptom of PTSD, which can include flashbacks, bad dreams, and intrusive thoughts. Avoidance, which can include staying away from certain places or objects that are reminders of the traumatic event. Uh, cognitive and mood symptoms, which may include troubling, trouble recalling the event, negative thoughts about oneself, and you may feel numb, guilty, worried, or depressed and have difficulty remembering the traumatic event. Keep in mind, too, you can have some of these symptoms and not have PTSD. So it is challenging and it is complex to determine whether or not someone has PTSD versus the general effects of trauma. So you need to get, like I said, a professional that can help you break this down. They have tests you can take. You might even find some tests on the internet that can help. Cognitive symptoms um, can sometimes include out-of-body experiences where the world isn't real. Basically, that doesn't mean you're like astral projecting. It just means that you feel numb and nothing feels real. And we've all had those times where something felt surreal, especially when something very impactful is happening. But if you feel disconnected from your body a lot of the time, that could be an impact of PTSD. And so we'll, in the future, talk about some body work you can do to start connecting with your body again. And some people will say, well, that's woo-woo. But this is actually scientific and psychologically researched strategies that can help you reconnect your disconnect that's there that makes you feel not real. You can start to feel like everything is in full, in living color, like you're yourself again. Another symptom that you might have is arousal symptoms such as hypervigilance. And people that are very observant, alert, aware of things, you hear things before everybody else. It's almost like being an animal in the woods who always has to stay alert for potential prey, for potential predators. Um, so that might be being startled by stimuli that resembles trauma, trouble sleeping, or outbursts of anger. If you're jumpy, and if you have symptoms of adrenal fatigue, I believe that that is part of what those symptoms are. Um, if you can never let your guard down, if you can never relax, if you're always tense, that could be stress, but it is potentially on a more extreme level a symptom of PTSD. Young children can develop it. Um, and it can be different than those of adults because young children lack the ability to convey some of the 
parts of their experience. So children might cling to their parents. Maybe their parents are going through a divorce or something and it really affects them. Um, For example, a four-year-old, it says here, might revert to not being toilet trained. Um, Even though they might have been toilet trained two years earlier, they might you know, mess up their clothes or wet the bed because they're, they don't know how to cope. And so it manifests itself with physical symptoms. And that's almost the body's way. It doesn't have anywhere for that stress to go because that poor little baby doesn't know how to process that because it doesn't have those coping skills and nobody's taught them that yet. So, you know, and in another way, it might be them trying to get their parents' attention because they need to process and they need to work out what's going on. So, and, and once again, if you have children, I'm not an expert with children, please take your child to a professional or a pediatrician in order to get them checked out if they're having symptoms like that. So what are the causes of PTSD? We already talked about that in the other source. So let's look at diagnosis. A diagnosis um, symptoms are usually begin within three months after experiencing or being exposed to a traumatic event. And if this happened in your childhood, you've probably dealt with this on and off for your entire adult life. And so it may cycle through. You may have symptoms and then they go away and you have symptoms and you go away and they have symptoms and it goes away, but it never fully goes away. And that's what I talk about in the descriptions of my channel. If you're praying and you're reading scriptures and meditating on those and you're going to church and you're praying and you just keep having these symptoms recurring, like something's wrong with you and all the symptoms that I just talked about and other symptoms then they may emerge years afterwards on occasion. But for a diagnosis, symptoms must last more than one month and symptoms of depression and anxiety or substance abuse often accompany PTSD. Once again, you can have anxiety, depression, and substance abuse and or substance abuse and not have PTSD. And you may have PTSD and not all of these different symptoms. It's different for everybody. So sometimes it can take years of self-analysis and reflection to figure out if you have PTSD. And that's why it might be good to get the opinion of multiple professionals to help you get an idea. And I would not defer my opinion to the professional and just take what they say at face value. Take a notebook, write things down, question what they say, reflect on it, pray about it, talk to God about it, read your scriptures, and test the diagnosis, your symptoms against the Word of God, against the wisdom of Proverbs and Psalms, for example, and see Um, If the diagnosis fits, don't be biased. Don't say that you want or don't want to have PTSD. Look at it objectively and then go from there. So sometimes, in my opinion, this is from my experience, even when you study this stuff, it's like there's a disconnect and you can't see it in yourself. And then one day something you read or you listen to or somebody you talk to, something just clicks, cha-ching, and all these light bulbs go off cha-ching, 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 you're like, oh my gosh, that is me. And you are absolutely certain about it beyond the shadow of a doubt. It's almost like God gives it to you by revelation. And while it's disturbing to see these horrible things that happened to you and the, the, the degree to which they happened, it's liberating because you also realize, and, and you can't force this, but when it happens, you realize you feel validated because you know you're not crazy. You know you weren't born with something seriously wrong with you. And PTSD can be treated and managed even more so than 10 years ago. Thank God for 
the emerging research about the brain, about psychology, about how our minds work, because they're finding out more and there is hope. Whereas 20 years ago, if a boy came home from war and he had symptoms of PTSD, they were just like, here are some treatments that will help you feel a little better, but my advice is learn to live with it. I'm sorry. That is not the case anymore. While there's not an all-out cure, people can live full productive lives and heal from PTSD on different levels. So some of the treatments are psychotherapy, And I would also argue that other therapies with trained professionals can also be done. For example, one that's popular is EMDR, eye movement. I forgot what the exact um, acronym is, forgive me, but it's EMDR. Don't do that unless you do it with a trained professional who is formally trained in EMDR. But it sounds strange, but it's something to do with your eye movements and how that impacts your brain. And you go back and you relive those traumatic experiences and somehow it helps to release the trauma through your neural um, pathways. And if it's been trapped there, it'll help it to sort of come out so it can be very relieving, even though it can also be very overwhelming. And that's why you only want to do that with the help of a trained professional. But psychotherapy is one way. And that's where you a lot of times will go back into those traumas. If it's a good therapist, they will go in with you and help you to identify specific times, situations or emotions, images. It's not always a specific experience, but they'll help you tap into the origins of where that stuff came from and help you work it out. Medication is another one. And um, medication to me, I hear a lot of people knock medication. I hear a lot of people say you shouldn't be on medication. You shouldn't stay on medication. It's a sign of weakness. It's a crutch. I do not believe that at all. I know for a fact that in my family, medical depression is a real genetic disorder. But it's exacerbated by specific Specific environmental factors and reactions that people have or the lack of coping of certain things. And so medications for people who suffer from extreme distress caused by PTSD or bipolar disorder or severe clinical depression or anxiety that you do the breathing exercises, you slow down, you go outside, you hug your cat or your dog, you talk to somebody and you just can't calm down. Sometimes people need medication for a day. Sometimes they need it for a month or a year or to get through a phase in their life. Um, Maybe somebody experiences the death of a close family member. What I'm saying is, is don't let anybody shame you out of using medication if you genuinely need it. Once again, I don't believe everybody needs it. And I believe if other strategies and therapies can help that person and they don't need medication, they shouldn't take it. But we live in an over-medicated society, especially with children. And so I think you... You need to find a specialist, whether it's a doctor or a psychiatrist, who has a balanced approach to medication where if they need it, if you need it, they'll prescribe it, but they won't try to just give it to you as a catch-all to solve all your problems because medication won't solve all your problems. However, if you have a genetic condition or if you're trying to work through some really messed up crap, 
and you need that in order to get through the day for a while, do not let anybody make you feel bad or judge you because they're not in your situation and they have no right to tell you whether or not you should take medication. That's between you and your doctor. So the next one, self-management strategies. And that's where prayer and scripture, um, I used to have panic attacks and I had this thing called scripture memory songs. And they would just sing these soothing songs that were classic scriptures. And for example, there was one on overcoming anxiety. And I would listen to that an hour every day and I would play it over and over and over. And it actually helped me come out of a deep depression and anxiety. So scripture has healing power. There is power in the word of God. However, I do believe that sometimes just reading the Bible, going to church, doing devotionals and reading scriptures or using them as mantras does not always solve the problems of deeper trauma. It doesn't get to the root of them a lot of times. And that's why I want to show you these other strategies so you can use those along with your faith practices to help you to find actual long-term results by getting to the root of the problem. So self-management strategies, um, these are ones that are here and we will talk about others later that I'll devote a specific um, podcast or set of podcasts to to give you some options. Self-management strategies, though, might be self-soothing and mindfulness. Mindfulness is a good one. And also um, grounding yourself and your body is a specific one that a lot of psycho- psychotherapy uses. And bringing you back to the reality after a flashback, EMDR is one that I mentioned. It's not listed here, but I'll add that to the list. Service animals. Um, I believe that animals are a gift from God, and I believe that He gave them to us not only as, um, as a resource, but also... I won't get into my beliefs about that, but I believe in conservation and I believe it's our responsibility to conserve species and protect the planet. But basically, I believe that animals are a gift from God that he gave us for emotional benefits too as companions. So having a dog or a cat or some other kind of service animal can be helpful. And um, there's a lot of scientific research that backs up petting a cat that's purring or holding a cat that's purring lowers your blood pressure and your heart rate. And having a dog can fight the and its companionship can fight loneliness and the impacts of depression. And there are a lot of studies that show that loneliness can actually cause toxic effects in the body. So if you don't have a lot of human companions, um, have having an animal or some animals maybe not hoarding a thousand of them, but adopting an animal, you can help them and they can help you at the same time. And to me, that is just one of the most beautiful relationships that God created with us, for us. And so related conditions. So it's not just about, it's not just about PTSD. Trauma can also cause anxiety disorders, also known as generalized anxiety disorder, And a subset of that is obsessive compulsive disorder. And this is just kind of off the cuff things that I know about these conditions. Um, Most people know what anxiety disorder is. They know what some of the symptoms are. Obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, is, I believe, can be manifested in two ways. One, somebody is, they may count 
or they may need things in a certain order, or they may need to turn a light on and off, or they may need to check the burner or the um, stove three or four times before they leave the house. And people make a lot of jokes about it, you know, and we all make fun of ourselves because we all have these quirks. Like, for example, I can't stand a glass sitting at the edge of a table and I'll push it in. Even if I don't know the person, I can't help myself. I don't think that's what it's talking about here. I think that's just normal quirks people have. But things that actually impact your daily life. I believe, personally, that people that can clean a house for five hours and they still don't think it's clean enough, that could be a sign of OCD. Somebody who washes their hands until they're bleeding, that's OCD. And um, I believe that people who hoard... I, I believe that's OCD flipped. It's like the opposite side of the coin. And while there's not a lot of research on this, I don't believe it's just hoarding things. I think some people also hoard animals and maybe even people. And we'll talk about that later as a potential side effect as some, of some of these issues. And I believe a lot of OCD is... Um, in my opinion, from what I've observed from human nature, I believe a lot of it is inborn, but you may want to do your own research to find your own opinion about that. Borderline personality disorder, and we'll talk about different personality disorders that go along with um, narcissistic personality disorder, narcissism, and different forms of abuse like that. Depression. And there are different types of um, depression that can include suicide ideation, sadness, tiredness, listlessness, hopelessness. It affects your attitude. And once again, that's another blog post for another time. Substance abuse can also um, be basically people that suffer from the impacts of trauma. There's an astronomical increase in the chances that they may abuse substances, legal and illegal, whether it's drugs, cigarettes, um, alcohol, or um, prescription drugs, street drugs, p marijuana, whatever the case may be. And marijuana is another issue unto itself. I believe that legal, medically diagnosed conditions where a professional who knows about the impacts of marijuana, medical marijuana on the body, I believe that medical marijuana is a miracle that can help some people who suffer from these conditions, especially severe ones like this and ones where they haven't responded to other medication and or the side effects of the medications have been intolerable. So um, that's a little bit about trauma, what trauma is, the nature of trauma, and other conditions that can be the result of, that can be exacerbated by, or that can go along with the impacts of trauma and or PTSD. Keep in mind that trauma is the cause. And PTSD is one effect. Anxiety disorders, OCD, compulsive disorder, borderline, depression, substance abuse, all of those are potential effects and or pre-existing conditions that can be exacerbated by the condition. So like I said, always do your own research. Don't just believe what I say. Don't just believe what any preacher or any teacher or anybody um, like that says. I love people like Joyce Meyer and Joseph Prince and Graham Cook. But I still do my own research. You need to read your own scriptures. You need to pray. You need to study. You need to learn about the word and about these conditions, the ones that impact you. And just keep learning and learn in a very targeted way that can help you and help you help others. And so I just wanted to include this podcast 
to educate you a little bit about the nature of trauma, the difference between trauma and PTSD, and some of the impacts, symptoms, causes, treatment, and other conditions that are related to the condition. And so how does this all fit into being a person of faith, being a Christian, following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, um, living every day in the grace of God? I personally believe in radical grace um, mixed with truth. And I believe personally that all of this knowledge that we have is a form of wisdom and it's a gift from God. And if God didn't want us to use this information, if it makes people feel better, then I believe that we should use it to help people. And while this stuff cannot just completely replace biblical truth, I believe that you'll find as you look through it, and we'll do this in future podcasts too, I will say this, I'm not a theologian, I'm not a pastor, and I don't pretend to be. I don't pretend to be a Bible scholar. I went to Sunday school, I studied the Bible in detail, I've read the Bible a few times, parts of it, most of it, I'm going through the whole thing now, Um, but I am not a Bible scholar. So a lot of the stuff I say could be you know, you might disagree with it. It could be wrong. And I'm not trying to mislead anybody. So I'm just giving you the best knowledge that I have at the time. And so please don't like get mad at me or post and say, Rachel, how could you say that? You know, cut me a little slack and I'll cut, you know, we should all cut each other a little slack, I think, within reason. You know, I'm not talking about going around preaching a bunch of false stuff, but I believe this stuff is a gift from God, and I believe it's a gift that we were meant to share and to use so that we can help people heal. Because how can we reach our full potential? How can we serve God? How can we love one another and love others if we don't even know how to love ourselves? And it's impossible. I can tell you that from experience. I can tell you talking to a 100,000 people who have experienced similar things in their own way. If you don't know how to access your emotions, to access how you feel about things, to be able to process things, to be cleared out, to be healed, to be freed of that stuff. If you're so weighted down that your body is stressed out and sick all the time, you have chronic conditions, you're always tired, you're prone to all of these issues, this is not condemnation. This is to say that you need to heal yourself first. That's not an excuse not to help anybody along the way, but you need to work on you in order to be able to help other people. Because if you don't know how much God loves you experientially in your spirit, in your brain, in your body, in your gut then how can you express and share that in an authentic way with somebody else? We can all go around and go through the motions and and do things because we feel obligated and we're tired all the time and we're angry and we're resentful. But God also says that he loves a cheerful giver. And cheerful doesn't mean being Pollyanna and being like, good morning, how are you today? I think it just means that you come from a place that's genuine and you want to share the goodness of God and you want to share love and you want to help people and just make their day better. I think that's what loving other people is. And it comes from a springing up of the spirit because of what Jesus did for us. We're so overwhelmed by his grace that we just want to do the right thing, not from a place of oppression and a place of fear and a place of obligation, fear, obligation, and guilt. 
That is not truly serving God from your heart. That's a place of sin. And while a lot of people that are in that place, it's not their fault how they got there, it is our responsibility to root that sin out of our life. And getting these mindsets out of our life through the psychological treatments, through the medications, through the education, through the strategies, that actually helps us to be a better person and a better Christian so we can be genuinely productive workers for God's kingdom and for helping other people. I believe it's a win-win and I see it all going together in a way that is just beautiful. Thank you so much for listening to podcast number three. As always, um, please click on and subscribe to my podcast. Go to, you can see links to my podcast, links to my um, Facebook group called Emotional Christian Emotional Recovery. And you can also find a link to my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to all of these. Tell your friends and anybody that you feel like might benefit from this podcast and from the group where we support each other, but we also allow one another to have freedom to practice, to use the practices that work for us based on our discernment through the Holy Spirit and through Scripture. And everybody may have a different experience with that, but we respect each other's right and give each other the freedom to explore what works for us, knowing that certain things are obviously wrong, you know, the the obvious things. So thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, and I will see you on the next podcast of Christian Emotional Recovery. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Christian Emotional Recovery, hosted by Rachel Leroy. For links to this week's resources and to join the discussion, check out this episode's show notes at christianemotionalrecovery.com, where you can also find links to our YouTube channel and Facebook group. Join our email list and get other episodes and resources. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review the podcast and tell a friend who may benefit from this message. See you next time. And remember, beloveds, God loves you, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made.